Welcome to the Mental Health Bootcamp Podcast. Hooray! This is, this is the podcast. Four therapists, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serving you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I'm Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, psychotherapist from Coquitlam. Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Port Moody. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Hello. Had a great time with the book club last week. That was a lot of fun, right? Yeah, I have my social book club tomorrow night. What are you guys reading? Um, we read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights memoir. That's what we read. I don't know yeah. if anyone else has read it. Ryan, you've read it or listened? I listened to it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to read it. Yeah, I thought it was quite. Uh, it's easy to read. Learned a lot about Matthew McConaughey that I didn't know. Um, but it's not too heavy, even though he's been through some heavy things. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a yeah fun fun read. Like it's a but heavier topics at times. It's very interesting how that's done. It's like entering his mind a little bit. Okay, interesting guy. And and the audiobook he reads it, and so you know he's very got a good actor sense to him so he was very uh very entertaining to listen to it was fun uh that's fun love it all right all right all right (laughs) i think he actually only said it once oh really it was only written once oh but he uh spoke about having that line in general yeah but the whole whole thing is about having green lights in life like uh so things that open doors are like it's a go and you like you lean into those opportunities um, cool. But cherishing the yellow lights that make you slow down and think, or a red light that makes you stop, but the red light could then become a green light because it's stopping you from doing something, but opening a different opportunity. Um, so we use it like, yeah, at, at those marked points, you would say green light. So there's a lot of green light. Cool. Yeah. So I read it. I didn't listen to it. How did he do his journal entries, if you don't mind me asking? Because there was a lot in the written book. There's all these um little spots where it's pictures of his journal entries or like quotes or things so how did that work he he just would speak it as if it was i guess on the page and if there was a picture he might describe the picture but it was uh it seemed to flow really well it didn't seem like anything was choppy or jumbled it seemed to have a nice flow to it yeah it's good Great. yeah it's excellent speaking of book club we are going to have another book club in a few weeks we are. And we have a book selected for our book club, which is called Cast. C-A-S-T-E. Speaking of like the cast system. Oh, look at this. Brooks got it. Yeah. The Origins of Our Discontents. By Isabel Wilkerson. Really light read. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Um. Do you have, could you give a quick little brief little blurb about it? Me? Anyway, one of us recommended it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was me that did. Um, It's just looking, I I imagine it's going to be 
a bit more of like social psychology or maybe more like sociology a little bit, but looking at caste systems and how they've kind of like intergenerational caste systems that have led us to where we are in regards to like racism and hierarchies and divisions. And that's, that's my guess. Okay. Really good reviews, but I anticipate it being uh, a heavier read, a more of a think book, like having some contacts that you're going to have, or some, some pieces that are probably going to be a bit more chewy. Um, it's not going to be bouncy. That's for sure. Okay. Not bouncy, more chewy than bouncy. Got it. Okay. Well, I, I like thinking, so that'll be good. Yeah. And a different thing opposed to like a self-help, it's going to be more, yeah, I think it'll be more sociology based. Excellent. Good, good, uh, good choice. Well, I look forward to diving into that. That ought to be a lot of fun. Um, before we get to our ambush, I've got something kind of fun coming up here. It's kind of a green light. I'm going to spend, not tomorrow, but the weekend and a couple days next week in a recording studio. Whoa! Yeah. Yes. Are you a book out loud? Are you going to narrate a book? No, I wish I was going to do that. But no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing something else that I definitely look forward to, which is playing music. I, uh, I've been a part of a, uh, a band of uh, musicians. All of us kind of have mental health ties as well. Uh, three of us are psychologists. One uh, was in a marriage and family therapy program. Uh, we've been together for many years and we get together on Friday nights and talk and share our lives together and uh, play some music. And we're, we've recorded stuff before, but uh, it's been about, gosh, a dozen years or more since we've done this. So finally this weekend, we're going back and we're going to get in recording studio and play some of our songs, put them down on uh, for history. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, I really look forward to it. It's so much fun to spend a few days feeling like music is my work. Like it's my job for that day or, you know, a couple days. And, and awesome. it, it's such a creative process as well. Like what we come in there with oftentimes is nothing what we come out, nothing like what we come out of there with. It sounds completely different and better in a lot of ways because it's been tweaked and produced and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it'll be my happy place. I'm excited to be able to do this. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Super cool. So these are songs that you and your band members have written over the years? Yep. Yep. Songs me and my band members have written. Um, one of them is Book Club by Joanna Boyd. That's <laughs> <laughs> the, the number one hit. Yep. No, these are songs we kind of, yeah, played around with through the years. Um, we're doing one cover song, uh, which you may not even be familiar with, but it's a song by a band called Echo and the Bunnymen called Lips Like Sugar. Mm. Lips Like Sugar, Sugar Kisses. All right. Well, you may have heard it on, a, on an oldie station at some point, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun to, uh, it's really just a fun thing. I'm really cool. looking forward to it. It's like one of those exciting things where I, I jump out of bed in the morning, like, yes, I get to go do this thing. It's fun. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So how do you contribute to your band there, Ryan? Do you, did you help with the songwriting? Do you play guitar? Are you, yeah. What do you, what do you I, do? I play the guitar and um, 
I guess generally speaking, I'll I'll kind of make the music like, uh, you know, I'll start strumming something and then the drummer will kind of drum along with it and the bass player will kick in. And the, the singer, our singer is great. Uh, Galen Buckwalter, he's he's a poet uh, and a scientist, really. So he comes up with wonderful lyrics uh, about all sorts of wide ranging topics and uh and yeah but it's not always me sometimes the drummer will come up with something and i'll play along to him or galen will have some lyrics and i'll write a song around that but uh but yeah it's just so i get in there and strum the guitar but uh, again when we get in the studio it's like anything goes we're like well what could go here (laughs) you know yeah once you know cowbell or (laughs) <laughs> one time we we broke a bottle in the middle of a song because it kind of sounded cool anything that that we want to record just that sounds cool musically it's kind of fun yeah that's that awesome like yeah, it's a cool process so yeah. it's a it's a very much a side thing i've never never made any money doing this uh there's definitely no fame uh to it but yes it's, it's kind of a maybe a self-care thing for me that sounds really really fun yeah <laughs> I, I wish that for everybody, really, to have a creative artistic outlet like that to help them get through life, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, when you talk about that level of excitement, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, I get to do this thing today. That's how I feel when I go to Costco. Uh, <clears throat> like, Costco, today is the day. I just get real jazzed. <laughs> and you don't even get free samples anymore. I know, which is fine because I probably can't eat them, but yeah, that's all right. She just like randomly eats food. She just takes food wherever she wants it. Yeah, just open uh, things yeah. with my sloppy fingers. and Yeah, they have to escort her out. It's really awkward, I think. But That's yeah, cool. Let's hey, what, what, what gets you the other two? What gets the boys out of bed in the morning? Excited, jumping out. Good question. I know. I feel like mine's actually the sunrise. Like I keep my blinds open. But when Mm -hmm. I see like, yeah, a little bit like frozen, like the sky's awake. So I'm awake is the line. And I feel Mm -hmm. that way sometimes. Like I, I see that it's daytime. I'm like, it's time to get up. Like it's time for breakfast. It's time to start the day. Yeah. It's just seeing the morning light. I get very ready to go. Oh, that's nice. Good. That's a good God, point. God bless you, Brooke. <laughs> so, so right down there in Los Angeles, of course, we've talked about this before on our podcast that we have amazing defined seasons up here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So right now I got up to 18 degrees Celsius, but the blooms, cherry blossoms and daffodils and all sorts of things, but the smell in the air, pretty easy to get out of bed these days due to that. Not that obviously in Vancouver, we have our fair share of cloudy skies and rain those days are also are good but but uh yeah today was a pretty amazing day yeah for for colors and it's like a sensory full sensory experience sounds Mm -hmm. nice sounds nice yeah getting outside in some way or having a outing plan to go outside or sometimes just having a day with nothing ahead and you're just kind of oh it's going to be great like whatever comes I can get up and yeah make a brunch or let's go outside or something so almost uh yeah but probably nature for me as well look at that well that's good we kind of span the spectrum here from nature to creativity to consumerism 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily buy things at Costco. I just like to be at Costco and see what they have. Everything's so large and it's incredible. Especially if you're so small, like yourself. Everything yeah. must seem really big to you. Jar of pickles. Whoa. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. A block of cheese. Whoa. I love it. Well, let's move on to our ambush. One of us knows the topic. Three of us do not. We're just going to have to respond like a therapist would at a therapy session. So Joe has the honors tonight. I do. Here it comes. On, send it on down. I have no idea what this is. A nice little topical, oh. lighthearted question. I don't know. Nice. You're like, oh, you be sarcastic. <laughs> no, this is good. This is, I mean, it's a nice tie-in actually here, Joe. Okay, here we go. Nature. How does nature benefit our mental health? What are ways we can connect more with the natural world? Yay. So which, uh, Brooke, which aisle of Costco has nature? <laughs> it would be the center aisle with all of the plants at the local Costco that I go to. Yeah, that's where nature is. <laughs> nature, how does nature benefit our mental health? And what, can, what are ways we can connect more with the natural world? I like that, Joe. Great. Let's dive in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start where yeah. this came from? <clears throat> no, I don't know. Every every time it's my turn, I'm just like, what do I do? But uh yeah, just trying to get back to some basics a little bit. Um and yeah, nothing really as natural and foundational as nature. Um it's just such a yeah, beautiful season. Just thought about it, trying to self-care, what we do for self-care. I was thinking about guided imagery and I know we've done mindfulness and they all kind of tie in. So I thought, uh, yeah, we talk about nature. We've talked about that in a lot of our podcasts. So I thought, why not just kind of hone in on a, a few points about it and yeah, share our thoughts. Absolutely. That's a great one. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause we, the mental health boot camp is also a program that we offer online. People can go to the website and do the 25 day program. And oftentimes in our, in that very program, one of our suggestions is go get out in nature, go experience the outdoors and just kind of be at one with the trees and the sky. And uh, so we're often talking about the mental health benefits. So let's get into why that is actually beneficial. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Some things that I guess jump out would be, um, being in nature can help create a sense of peace or calm. It can be and help alleviate stress. I guess those are some of the ones I don't know if anyone has some science behind exactly what goes on there. If you want to describe that to our listeners, but is your mom going to pop in as a guest speaker right now? No. Read. Yeah. So, um, Chris and Joanna's mom had recently read a book uh, or a few books on the impact of nature on our well-being, um, and their practice actually just celebrated the 40th anniversary of the practice. So we had a little gathering, and Maureen, their mom, uh, got everyone a little tree, like a it's a dwarf Alberta spruce, I think. So in That's one nice. of the books, it talked about like how 
this author believed or the person that did the research believed that if every person on earth planted two trees for six years, there would be no climate change crisis, like it would correct itself. So it was uh, in a start so that everyone had their first tree was part of it. But she also mentioned that in the book, the trees, like there's, the trees naturally have like this network where they talk to each other. Yeah, the underneath the ground, yeah. Yeah, and so like baby trees or smaller, more young trees will talk to a more mature tree. The mature tree will send them things that it needs to survive and the youth tree will send things back that the more adult tree need. like it's this cool network. And it also released something, but I forget what your, your mom, it wasn't aerosols. Now I'm just thinking like, you know, COVID aerosols now, I guess, but there was mm. another word. So the tree, the trees release something in the yeah. air and that itself is actually tied to our well-being. Like a pheromone like, or something like that? It's not a something pheromone. like that, yeah. And and as we breathe that in, it helps regulate our nervous systems. So this network of trees, as they support each other underground, this whatever they're releasing into the air actually helps us as well. Like it's just this very connected system. And I really wish I remembered what that word was called. I don't know if you guys remember. I don't. But just, one thing, just, just to be clear here, Brooke. Uh, I'm, I don't know the book that you're talking about, but when we're talking about the trees talking to each other, we're, we're not actually talking about talking. There's some sort of some sort of a chemical communication that's taking yep. place or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. We're not, we're not going to jump as far as to say that the trees are talking, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Thank All you. Right. Yes, they're not like verbally communicating, but there's some sort of chemistry within the root system where they're sending minerals or something between the root systems Mm. to promote healthy growth. And yeah. So, and so it also recommends just for people who are listening about planting trees. um, When you plant a tree, you want to plant it near like a mama tree, like a a mature tree, mother tree. Yeah. Yeah. And then the mother tree will help make sure that that uh, new tree is more likely to survive and thrive because there's some sort of, chemical thing that happens in the root systems yeah what yeah it's wild yeah well well described brooke yeah so it's like if you go plant this tree in a field with no other trees or no mother tree around it's not likely to survive so you need to plant it in proximity to a mother tree and it doesn't matter the species apparently wow i'm I'm intrigued intrigued That's interesting stuff. (laughs) I had never heard that stuff before. I guess I knew about like fungi, you know, mushrooms and stuff that will have a vast underground network. But I didn't know that the trees actually interacted with one another that way. That's that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Could be a future book topic or like book club book if we want. Because she was reading about like the forest bathing that was one book and yeah this was a different one yeah Mm. yeah so forest bathing is what's the term is it uh shin grin yoku i think it is it's um research has been out of uh, out of japan so i think since the 1980s they've been focusing on um the ecological or psychological benefits of being out in in the forest 
Um, so this doesn't mean bathing in the forest there, Ryan, so don't get any ideas. I'm not sure if that's legal down there in Los Angeles, but. Mm -hmm. um, Point out me? You single out me for that one? Jeez. <laughs> All right. um, so yeah, just being in nature and kind of cycling through the senses. So you don't have to do anything in particular. You can walk, you can sit. I'm just trying to, it's more of a mindful approach, right? Trying to focus on what you're looking at and smelling and hearing. Uh, can be very helpful uh, in terms of calming us down, regulating the body, giving us a boost. Mm. Have you ever noticed that the best, often we think more clearly in the forests. We often have great ideas when we're walking in nature. Mm -hmm. Is that is that about nature or is that just freedom from distraction? True. Or is it the physical, you know, the fact we're moving and walking? Good question. I know that a lot of uh, old timey uh, authors and philosophers, like Carl Jung used to take like a three hour walk every day in the woods. Whoa. So there's this, this idea that that was kind of a staple of his, uh, of his life. Um, maybe Nietzsche did as well. I'm not sure. I'll find out. But uh but this whole idea that many, many folks who that's been a regular part of just the, their thinking process. I'm going to, instead of just sitting at the desk, I'm going to go out and walk and think. And oftentimes great ideas come from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our connection to nature, of course, yeah, goes many, goes back many, many years. Right. Um, oh yeah. So we look at the whole idea of modern society the whole scheme of things is like a blink of an eye compared to the course of evolution. So we, uh, as human beings, as homo sapiens, we evolved in, in nature, right? So there's actually been also studies done. I, I don't know the exact studies here, but um, if you grow up in like the concrete jungles or away from green spaces that can impact your mental health, right? So the more green space that you're close to, then can, um, you know, walk in our experience that can uh, is a direct impact there i think it helps decrease levels of stress give us a bit of a boost so so like we're lucky uh us bc folk here and and ryan too in california where we do have great like literally green space like the us in bc we live in a rainforest like there are tons of trees and um, paths you can walk it like finding nature is very easy for us even if you live in the main city so um like i'm i'm curious because a lot of the research that we've talked about or referenced and, and i don't know the answer to this but is there research for persons that don't have necessarily green space so if you're living more in a desert climate if you're living um in a very cold climate um like at, I would assume connecting with nature would have similar benefits. It's just your nature scape would change. Yeah. I don't, my understanding and what I've read is that it doesn't need to be like nature's many things. It's the natural world. So whether it's a desert or you're or surrounded by snow or if they're like, I know there's benefits of being actually around trees and things specifically, but um one thing I, I read about was it's not so much about like a big part of the impact of um, how being in nature, being around nature could impact us. Part of the reason it can be positive is our 
connectedness to nature. So our relationship that we have with nature. So it's, um, connectedness, meaning, um, we might have a close relationship or emotional attachment to nature. So just that could be a flower pot in your like house. It could be listening to a bird nearby. It could be feeling those grains of sand in the desert. It could be any kind of, um, you just got to connect with it. So necessarily not just, I think you can deepen that positive impact by not just kind of being like, Hey, I'm in nature. Oh, look, I'm looking at this. Like you actually have to engage with it. You got to listen to that bird singing. You got to maybe touch the soil. And apparently that can really, um, yeah, those benefits can even be higher, I guess. So I guess I would think it doesn't matter where you are. Maybe if you don't have green space. So I have a question for you more so, Joe, because um, Joanna went on this really cool experience to Morocco and did. took in New Year's. Uh, it, was it the Sahara? Was that- uh, yeah, it was Morocco and all Morocco has all sorts of landscapes. It's quite incredible, actually. Yeah. So with the sand dunes and everything there, like because I'm just curious, because you were born and raised in the rainforest. Did you feel similar, like if you were to go for a rainforest walk here, did it kind of feel the same connection to nature being in the desert there? Because it's, yeah, just your nervous system grew up in something different, but yeah. it's very much connect, connected to like the natural landscape of where you were. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. 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 No, good question. I think, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was the same. I think growing up around something is going to have a special, you know, more positive experiences for me. Um, but I don't think, but I was able to connect, like seeing those rolling hills of sand, being able to walk in that sand, seeing the, like the starry sky. I've never seen a better starry sky in my life, watching that sunrise and being out there and just like, it's, you have your benefits, but you're just connecting it's still nature you're connecting with. It might not be nature I'm familiar with, but I wouldn't say it was the same, but it still was wonderful. And then you're like, you go from the desert and then you're, we drove to the ocean and we were surfing or you drove through and there's like orange tree orchards and like hills with snow, like mountains with snow. So it was just crazy. It was very cool. And even looking at that, I was like, oh, that's like home. (laughs) So it brings nice, but yeah, I think it's a different kind of connection, but still very beneficial. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. I would have assumed the connection was still like very deep and strong, but yeah. you know, that visceral experience, if it was a similar feeling, cause you're still connecting with nature. Totally. Yeah. And deeply it's, mm-hmm. um, but just, it's a different nature. That's all. Yeah. And I might care about nature more than some people like who even on that trip. So I might've really gotten uh, more enjoyment about actually being out and doing those things and checking out new places. Um, but yeah, so I think that's part of it as well. It's kind of your own relationship with it. Mm-hmm. So now Ryan, you've done some traveling too. So have you noticed anything like that as well? Just, um, I don't know if you like connect with nature while you're traveling. I'm not too sure. Oh, sure. Um, gosh, I've got a lot of interesting, a lot of ideas. I don't know if they're interesting, but interesting to me ideas. Uh, one is that I grew up in a very nature friendly mm-hmm. town, Bend, Oregon, which which in the 80s and 90s was a very it wasn't very populated at that time. And I could ride my bike 
you know, two blocks. And then I was in the national forest, which was, you know, hundreds of miles of frontier, basically like unexplored land, uh, which was a wonderful way to grow up as a kid. Just what, what can I explore today? What can me and my buddies see on our, on our little BMX bikes riding out in the woods? Um, I moved down to Los Angeles and I really felt the a kind of an oppressive feeling here. I mean, even, even though Pasadena isn't so urban, but I moved down here and I was like, gosh, I just feel like I'm kind of stuck in this jungle, you know, the concrete jungle of the city um, until someone it was at, uh, probably a year or two after I moved here. They're like, hey, let's go for a hike and went up into the hills up above Pasadena, which to me seemed like it was just this kind of brown, mm-hmm. you know, smoggy sort of area. But, you know, a, a mile or half mile up into the into that area there's the trees and there's these little babbling brooks and there's these, you know, you can see wildlife and you can see nature. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize one that this existed. And two, how much I missed this is so vital to me to have a place to get back in touch with that sort of natural stuff. Um, It still really bothered me every time I'd see graffiti because there's there's a graffiti problem, even in our, on our hiking trails and stuff here. bugs me because it doesn't feel natural but uh if you hike far enough you'll get past the graffiti the the taggers don't want to go all that far down the trail so um but it just felt so good and, and once i realized oh i can have i can be here and you know study or, or work but also get in touch with nature felt so relieving to me um made it feel like okay i don't have to it's not either or i can have both and it makes me think of even places like New York City, which is absolutely a concrete jungle, right in Manhattan, the biggest feature, one of the biggest features of New York City is Central Park, which is a massive park that is quite natural, even though, you know, there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who walk through there. It's so big that you can kind of get lost a little bit in, in Central Park and, and have a sense of being in nature for a while. It just speaks to me that that is such an essential part of, of the human experience that we have to have that. Um, even other things that have been reclaimed in New York City, the, the High Line, which is a, a former uh, like train line that they turned into a park that's elevated. Um, really cool stuff that, that I think many people talk about the, the necessity of that just for mental health. And on the flip side, um, I've heard more lately. I don't know if you guys have heard this more, but there's, there's more kind of a rumbling about... Um, uh, climate change anxiety that people are experiencing where people oh, yeah. are, are, you know, when the more they hear about climate change and experience it and see what's happening in the world, it's, it's raising their, their levels of stress and anxiety. And, and it's almost, a, it's nearly a specialization or, or like a, a topic, a subject area in, in the mental health field to, t- to help people kind of work with their anxieties about climate change. And uh, again, I, all these things just pointing to the fact that I do think it is an essential part of our, of our mental health and our, our sense of, I guess, safety and well-being in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I would say in my clientele up here, it's been showing up for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, the stress and anxiety towards climate change and where is the world going? And, and these issues are being brought up by younger and younger clients and um yeah, definitely over the past five years, it's been prominent. 
Mm -hmm. So it's been on our minds, I think up here for a while. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So Ryan, I'm, I'm with you about like connecting with nature and just kind of feeling that. So uh, years ago, I don't know if we talked about this story on the podcast, but Chris and I went to New York prior to the DC conference and uh, we arrived midday Saturday in the middle of Manhattan. And we come up the escalator with, you know, towing your luggage and we're walking towards theater district and it is just high rises and high rises and people and the garbage hadn't been picked up yet and all this traffic and and it was just so incredibly overwhelming so we walk you know on the map it doesn't look very far like you're five six city blocks but they're new york blocks they're like las vegas blocks so we get to the hotel dump the stuff and it, it was the first thing i said it was like i need to see some trees like just my system was so overwhelmed with everything that I was experiencing. I knew immediately, I was like, I, I just need to see some trees and then I will be okay. So we beelined it to Central Park, walked around a little bit, had a coffee, and then whew, I just felt so much better. It was really, really incredible. Yeah. Central Park will never be uh, like developed by condos and skyscrapers. That's, I think, New Yorkers really realize, recognize what a gem that is and how essential that is for their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh. It was, yeah, it was really interesting though, getting off <laughs> of that oh. subway. Oh, wild. Yeah. You know, like Vancouver, we have some high rises, but you can kind of see the opening there. You can see the mountains or, but uh, never seen that before. You look down these city blocks and it's just high rise after high rise. They all look very similar. Yeah. So yeah, getting our bearings at Central Park definitely helped. Totally. Up here, we kind of have like a, a little, like a boulevard, green, like a little green space and then the sidewalk and then a little green space and then the high rise. Um, in New York, it's street sidewalk building. Like there is no little strip of grass with a tree and some plants. Like there, it was just concrete all the way to the hotel or the little stretch that we were walking in. Um, yeah, it was incredible. It was wild to me. And to speak to your travel question, Brooke, I mean, I've, I've gone to Iceland twice and it's not for the culture. I mean, the culture is great and the people are great, but I spent just a couple hours in Reykjavik and the rest of the time it's to be in nature. It's to see these waterfalls and these incredible views and to just be on that country exploring and uh and enjoying what i'm, what I'm kind of taking in so yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of getting out in nature and getting away from it all for sure yeah. i think it can be tough for people um because i think high quality nature spaces right like whether those forests or those being near the water or whatever that's considered people don't have, um, there's barriers to be near there, right? Like if you're in the middle of a city or if um, you just for any maybe physical disability, you can't go do go that hike or, you know, it's not as easy for women to go running in the forest alone for a hike by yourself or, um, and so I think these things need to be taken into consideration is that it's not so easy um, depending where you are, especially if you're in the more urban areas, but I think it, you know, to not lose hope with the fact that it's, you don't need to be, if you don't have those high quality nature spaces to go to, you can still connect with nature. And, you know, again, 
having some plants around, or even if it is a little bit of a green space on your street or something like that, it's, it's the connection that's important. Um, if you can't get to a high quality place, I guess. So, yeah. I'm curious, Joe, do you think it's like having a plant is, is a step in the right direction, but being in a forest is even better? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so do you think it's kind of, uh, the more, uh, you're in nature, the more, mm -hmm. uh, then the more beneficial it might be. I'm curious about that. I, I yeah, I'd, I'd say so too, but I don't, but it's like, it's not. And again, you can have a plant, but it, just having it, like you gotta, it's about the connection piece with it. Like, are you actually, like, you can, can like, I know I keep using plants, but let's, but even connecting with a plant, like if I, take one of my plants here and like deadhead it and give it some water and check the soil. Like that's great, mm. but that's not the same effect. If I go for a walk in my community and mm -hmm. really hear the birds and point out like, Oh, that the little daffodils are popping up over here and the cherry blossoms are there. Oh, and look, the, you know, the marigold buds are popping up mm. like intentionally yeah. picking up those pieces and um, really embracing the sensation, like all of the senses mm -hmm. definitely versus the one, but having a, a potted plant at home is better than not having nothing. Anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, definitely that walk and noticing those things and connecting that way. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet you that's because the implicit or conscious minds a million times more powerful than a conscious mind. I bet you just sitting on the couch and having plants in your periphery would probably benefit you as well. Not necessarily engaging and watering it and, and checking the soil. Like I bet you just having it there close by, I'm sure it'd have some benefits too. Do you have yeah. plants in your therapy offices? Yes. Uh, I have a fake one because my office doesn't have a window. It's really dark. Yeah. 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 But otherwise the offices with windows, I think they all have a plant. Okay. I think, I think so. so. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it's nice aesthetically, but I think there's, there's something kind of calming to that, right? Something that says something's growing here. It's, it's yeah. something's alive. Right. But yeah. is it also whatever that plant is releasing? Like, depend the, like there's yeah. an I, I guess aerosols. It's, yeah. It's I could aerosols. the air itself and it's releasing whatever, that is an extra thing into the air. Like there's something else to it, I think. Yeah. Versus if you just had a fake plant, it, I would venture to think mm. it's going to have the same effect. I haven't seen research studies on that. Like if a fake plant has the enough of a placebo. Um, yeah, good point. I did, yeah. Sorry, just to that though, I'd be curious if, if that would then make you think of other plants and that can create benefit to being reminded of being in nature, right? It's just like our, the power of our thoughts and guided imagery is we don't necessarily need to be somewhere to get the benefits from it. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of guided imagery, they did that study, right? When they measure someone's brain waves while the person looked at their hand. So as a person looked at their hand, uh, occipital lobes lit up for other parts of the brain as well. Then that person closed their eyes and imagined that hand in front of them and almost identical parts of the brain lit up. So the researchers looking at side-by-side -side scans cannot tell if the person was actually looking at their hand or imagining their hand in front of them. What is the purpose of this story, of course, is that if you can't be in nature, next best thing is to visualize yourself there. So we often 
ask your uh, clients those questions. Like, is there a place in nature that where you feel quite calm, where you, you felt was very beautiful? And then uh, having the clients describe it and the senses um, associated with it, right? So if you can recall that. Right, is the uh, trying to remember it in as much detail as possible. So you want to try and actually remember what it smelled like and what the sounds were. And was there a breeze? Was it warm? Like, what did your skin right. feel like? Um, because you have to engage those senses, in which case that's what we're replicating when we're saying connecting with nature. You want to engage all of your senses. You don't want to be mindlessly in nature or around nature. You want to be there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Though I, I still think just sitting in nature and um, not cycling through the senses, I, I bet you that would still probably benefit you to some extent. But yeah, cycling through the senses is key. So yeah, that's why the guided imagery, if you start to imagine yourself there, especially in a place that you've been before, so it's a little more uh, vivid in your mind, then your body should react as if you're there in person. So it's kind of cool. And this is all research that's suppressed by the travel and tourism industry who don't want you to don't want people <laughs> to know that you actually receive similar benefits by just thinking about being somewhere they want you to actually go there um, of course i'm yeah. joking but but it, it is it is interesting psychologically that yeah i mean when people oftentimes people talk about going to a calmer place or a happy place and people think about being in a meadow or sitting on the beach or something like that and being able to really access some of those same feelings about of relaxation and smelling the, the the scents and and feeling the wind on their toes that sort of thing which is beneficial maybe not as beneficial but certainly beneficial yeah for sure i had a friend one of my uh, best buddies he did a master's degree in eco psychology it would have been good to uh get him on on the podcast tonight but he uh is part of a kind of a, I think it's a, a nature kind of daycare um, or an education program based in nature. So we actually have a few of these up in, or a bunch of these probably up in Vancouver where primarily the kids hang out outside, like rain or shine. And uh, th there's lots of, there's a curriculum there that's very much based on engagement um, in nature, but some of the research coming out too is pretty impressive. Like even kids with ADHD or ADD, um, they tend to um, being in nature um, tends to benefit them in some pretty impressive ways. So the disconnection from, from technology and being more in nature has its benefits for, for that population. Yes, absolutely. I, I have a couple of kids who I don't believe have the diagnosis of ADHD, but they certainly love their technology and, and love to, play video games and and be connected in that way with other with their friends on, online that sort of thing but every summer they go to a summer camp for a month where there's no technology and they're just in nature like literally nature for a month and uh there are no complaints there are no <laughs> there are no there's no griping about going to that camp they look forward to it all year long because they get to go and just swim and be in the trees and uh, breathe that fresh air and get mosquito bites and all the things that that I might gripe about. They just love it, and and it's it's so uh, balancing for them, I think. And I I'm very happy to send them because they they love it. They they like to say that when they're at camp, they're not 
uh, homesick, they get camp sick when they're not at camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try not to take that personally. Eh? Oh, I don't take it personally. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's very beneficial. It's, it's, it's interesting though, because a lot of kids, they, you know, they, they don't want to go outside. I don't want to make speaking generalities here, but often they want to be connected to their devices, but when they're outside, often they don't uh, regret going for a little walk or hike with the family or spending time while they're playing. They might protest at the beginning, but after a short while and they're like, Oh, look at that rock and look at that stick and that bug over there that, that they yeah. really get engaged. Yeah. Let's graffiti this tree. Uh, <laughs> that's not Right. Right. So we've been talking about how, even if you don't have access to nature, there are ways that you can access it other ways, either through your mind or through a plant or through a park or um, something that's at least getting you, you know, it may not be wilderness, but it's still something natural and something that's uh, maybe talking to you like the trees do. Right, Brooke? Yes. <laughs> I think it's going to be our next podcast in psychedelics. I know in the forest. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. I, I, I do think that's all valuable. And, and I don't know if, if you haven't been in nature for a while, do you miss it? I know you guys access nature quite a bit, even though you're in a very natural city, you go outside the town and go places that are even more remote all the time. Is that something you, you kind of long for? Yeah, I would say yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm very aware of being inside all day for work days and trying to get out or yeah, just look forward to fresh air and getting near the water or going for our, getting in the forest. Definitely for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say that we do a good job. Yeah, definitely. We're outside every day, right? Like out walking the dogs or being in the yard or whatever, like you're in, you're outside every day, but then you can feel it when you haven't actually done like a nature walk, like, like something where you're more immersed than just the neighborhood or just the yard. Um, you can really feel it. I think. Mm -hmm. I think there's something about nature, I guess on a a deeper psychological level that that kind of lends a bit of perspective as well like sometimes when people go on vacation and they they don't think about work for a while and they come back and they realize oh these problems are really kind of small um there's something about being in nature that does that too like this you know these trees have been around for a long time or as i walk out here among these rocks and this stream and all that stuff it's it's like they're not it's there's there are, these problems aren't here, like, and, and life still goes on and life is existing. And I think people often long for that because of that perspective that they get, like oh, all these little things, this little deadline or this, this, you know, to-do list problem that I haven't tackled yet. When you get in touch with nature, you sort of feel like I mean, that's not such a big deal. You don't need to be so stressed out about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good Absolutely. point. Yeah, and then there's a lot of joy, I think, too, not just with nature, but, well, it is part of nature, but the animals, I'm just thinking as we're all talking about this and connecting with nature, like, it's just about time for baby duck season. Oh, my gosh. Baby ducks are so cute. And then there's, like, the Canadian geese. 
Um, and those little little buggers get really funny looking. So they start off really adorable and then they go into this teenager phase where their legs are too long, but they still have like a fluffy body and like one or two adult feathers and they're just ridiculous. And it makes your day, it really makes your day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I heard a, 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 a nature advocate talking about the benefits of, you know, a lot of people go hiking and they kind of walk and do their route and come back. And she talked about go somewhere and just sit like next to a tree for like 20 minutes and just be silent and, and still. And if there are no other hikers walking around, you'll see more nature kind of coming out because, you know, a lot of the, the critters scurry away when they hear your, your footsteps coming. And if you can just sit still for 20 minutes, you'll see them kind of coming back in. You might see more deer or squirrels or lizards or whatever it might be that's, uh, that's kind of hiding from you if you just kind of blend into nature for a while and you really get a better sense of what, uh, what their natural habitat's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not to sound, you know, a little too over the top here, but um, the interconnectedness of all living things as well. You're sitting there, there's animals, there's trees, yeah. A lot of more uh, research coming out on that too. Um, yeah. All living beings. Totally. Yeah. And that could go back to like ancestry and stuff like that, right? Every Yeah, everything's all connected. Um, Brooke uh, went for a walk. Jesse and I went for a walk the other night in New West and all like houses and stuff. We went cherry bl- or cherry tree blossom hunting um, oh. and they're all over the place so we've been taking advantage of that because up here in Vancouver it's only you know a few weeks uh, maybe like a month and there's just like a pair of ducks <laughs> walking along the road as well I was like where did these even come from I was like anyways we actually discovered there's like a really beautiful like kind of Japanese like little uh garden nearby there but it just didn't make sense that there's ducks in this little we got a kick out of it okay. anyways we're just us walking a little pair of ducks is like walking and it just felt like it's so many things to look at and all these little animals around it's pretty cool was, was ron bathing in the pond in the japanese garden <laughs> it was weird he snuck up here without us knowing it was strange without my clothes apparently <laughs> yeah oh my goodness i don't know what this is about and then i discovered one more thing because we we're on a walk down by the key same walk and there was a hummingbird and it kept flying away and coming back to this one spot. And so we snuck closer. So the hummingbird was like literally like less than three feet in front of us. And it took out his little leg. One of the legs was standing on and reached up and scratched his like side of his head, like a dog would. And I've never seen that before. <laughs> and I like squealed in delight and pretty much Jesse did too. And it was great. Anyway. So little hummingbirds, if they have scratches or the legs come up and just, and I've just never seen their tiny little feet do that. So anyways, nature, that's wonderful. There we go. <laughs> the other nature I'm learning to like definitely over the past seven years, appreciate way, way more is the bumblebees. Good old little bumblebees, you know, so they go and I try to make sure I plant some flowers in my pots that make sure, you know, bumblebees like them. And then they come by and they collect their little pollen and you can see it on their legs. But I talked to the little bees how are you doing today? Do you need anything? Like, got you some nice flowers here. Like, please promote the bees, you know? So I feel like um, tying this in a little bit where we're talking about if you can have a plant, a house plant, 
I think persons who have plants that they take care of in their home, that then translates out to the world where we want to make sure we're taking care of the plants in our community and in our world a little bit more. Like just that ownership of, hey, we want to make sure you're doing okay, all your little things. It might not be that vast or that bold, but I, I think it's kind of helps with that process a little bit. Cool. Totally. That's great. Beautiful. I uh, told a client today, I'm sure you guys have heard this, best time to plant a tree was oh. 20 years ago. Next best time to plant a tree is today. Yeah. We're talking about something unrelated to nature, but. Hmm. Did you, we, did we hear all hear that recently, Chris? Uh-huh. Yeah, that we, was from the, the Power of Regret book. Oh, oh there, yeah, you go. there you go. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> last week. Good. Great line. Yeah. That's good. This is where it came from, Wasibo. Yeah. <laughs> my mom house. said. Good one. <laughs> I, I've, I've actually also heard uh, a booming industry when talking about tourism and, and travel is our eco trips, not just to explore different ecological areas, but also to go and you know, go to somewhere and plant a bunch of trees every day or do you know make your your vacation something that's more service for for nature which I, I love that idea what a what a great rewarding vacation that could be you know yeah as long as like what you're doing neutralizes the carbon footprint of your air travel <laughs> sure yeah yeah uh, yeah i'm i i agree with you i i like i like the, the idea at least right no, I'm with you. If you are going to travel, why not add something opposed to taking something away? So. Sure, sure. You know. And then go to Costco and buy everything. <laughs> just talk about how large everything is. Like, I just... uh, Costco is... is great. Oh, yes. This episode brought to you by Costco. No, it's really not sponsored by Costco. I have a random Costco question for you, Ryan, while we're, you know, on the Costco tangent. What's the difference between Costco and Sam's Club? They're different companies. Okay. We don't have Sam's Club. We only have Costco and it always confused me, but it's a similar thing, right? Like you have to have a membership card. I believe, and listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Sam's Club is part of the Walmart family. And Costco is a whole different enterprise, but it's, but they have a similar uh, model where you have to have a, a membership and uh, but there's still a big warehouse uh, shopping centers there. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Didn't know. I believe that's the, the connection, but but we'll hear about it if it's not. So, but yes. So we're all into the <laughs> big shopping. Well, again, we, we span the gamut here of nature and mass consumerism. All right. Good. Well, we would love to hear your nature stories. If you have a, uh, a story to tell us about uh, your experience in nature, how it benefits your mental health, please let us know at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Uh, Joe, great topic. Love this. This is good stuff. Yeah. Makes me makes me want to get back out into nature. Here we are all sitting in our homes. We should be doing this outside somewhere, right? Mm, that would be good. Might actually go for a walk. 
after this. Oh, that's so, a nice idea. I think it was raining. I heard it was raining. Was it raining? Yeah, it is here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, it must be spring, like the fresh like rain and oh, smells so good. Anyways, yes. Oh. Get outside. Oh, uh, one more story about growing up <laughs> in Bend. Um, Bend is a is an area where there are a lot of juniper trees. I don't know if you've been around juniper trees, the juniper berries, but when it rains, it releases this aroma. Speaking of like the the aerosols. And it's, it's unbelievable. It's like the most fragrant scent you've ever had. And in, in the summertime, when you get a little half hour rain in the summer, you just want to go outside and just soak it all in. It's so good. Yeah. Oh. And you even remembering that right now is having a beneficial impact on your body. I think if I had an fMRI right now, we could take a look at my brain and I would be feeling the same thing. Blood pressure's lowering. It's all yes. good. I feel so much better thinking about that. <laughs> That's good. I don't need to book a ticket. I could just think about it. That's good. Great. Well, let's call it quits for tonight, everybody. Thanks for spending your natural time with us. And like and subscribe everywhere. And send your questions to us and your stories. Info.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two. And good night.